Let's switch gears to talk about another one of Steven Spielberg's contemporaries, and that's George Lucas. Because a lot of people have been comparing the new Zack Snyder movie, Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire, to Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the we'll, we'll talk about this for a few minutes because again the time is my enemy. But um, yeah, this is the sort of the surprise movie review of this uh, of this conversation. Um, you you were really knocked out by Rebel Moon. I think when we talked last uh, about American fiction, you had mentioned it was one of your favorite films of the year. Is that still the case? Well, yeah. Well, today I actually posted at National Review my better than list, and the top films on the better than list. Uh, are uh, John Wick 4 and Rebel Moon. You had mentioned uh, George Lucas and Star Wars. So we can go directly to Rebel Moon to talk about how Zack Snyder in Rebel Moon, in, in my view, and in the view of a lot of people who enjoy the film, has taken upon himself to remake the Star Wars saga or the Star Wars master story uh, according to his own imagination. And uh, But I say he's remade that master story for an adult sensibility, uh, that adult sensibility uh, defining Zack Snyder's filmmaking as uh, being uh, visually dynamic, um, extremely kinetic, as well as erotic. But also, it, it's a it's a it's a sensibility that depends on expressing itself through mythology, and uh, this is what you get in in Rebel Moon. I, I think, in a way, it's also what you get in John Wick Four. I think of them both as being examples of pure cinema, uh, meaning that they are based on kinetics, based on movement and how movement can express uh, express ideas about morality. And I think that that in itself is the thing that makes Rebel Moon particularly different from Star Wars. Uh, a, 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 a film, a two-parter, we'll get the next part this year, later this year, a two-parter about uh, about moral choices that characters make. And I don't think that the George Lucas series of films, whether he directed them or not, are at all about moral choices. I think they're just childlike, childish entertainments. <clears throat> I can see that. I mean, I think he I think he has said that <clears throat> he made those films for, you know, they're they're basically kids' films or family films. <clears throat> I think a lot of the fandom that has cropped up in the last 40 some years has kind of given them more significance and more maturity than, than the, uh, than the original films warrant in some cases, maybe not empire strikes back. Cause that's probably the darkest and most mature of the original trilogy. My issue with, with rebel moon, I enjoyed it for the most part, but I felt like Zack Snyder was trying to make his own sort of, as you put it, an adult version of star Wars. I just wish he had, strayed a little bit further away from some of that Star Wars template because for every moment, I think in your National Review uh, review of Rebel Moon, or maybe in referring to it, you had mentioned poetry. Um, I think there is a lot of poetry in the spirit of Rebel Moon. I appreciate that. A lot of subtle moments. Some people have said, oh, the scenes go on too long because characters are just staring at each other. I, I think there's a lot to be said in a meaningful look, and this movie has a lot of those. But for every great moment of character development and character surprise, like what happens uh, towards the end with the quote unquote Han Solo character turning out not to be the uh, heroic rogue that we might thought he was. 
there are moments like the very end of the film, which, yes, I'm going to spoil it, but the main bad guy uh, gets into a, a fight to the death with Korra, our Sophia Butella, who's our Luke Skywalker stand-in, if you will. Um, he ends up falling, we think, to his death into this fiery abyss. And that's it. Until we cut back to ships flying in to pick up this you know, broken, charred body to take him back to a spaceship and rebuild him in a new body, which is the end of Star Wars uh, Part 3, Revenge of the Sith. It was like if they had just lopped off that moment, I think it would have been about the perfect ending to that film. But I kept having these stop and start moments throughout Rebel Moon where I'm like, okay, this is really good, but that's Star Wars. This is really good but that's Star Wars. I was looking for more than an homage, I think, in some respects. So I'm curious, did that bother you? I don't, it doesn't sound like you've got... I mean, I am a child of Star Wars. I was born the same year this movie came out, so it's sort of in my DNA. You are, it's fair to say, a little bit older than I, so might not have that deep blood connection to it. So did that bother you? Did you pick up on it, or did you feel that Snyder was in some ways elevating that material by incorporating it into his vision? I have no great regard for the Star Wars series, though, okay. I, agree, though I agree with you that uh, Empire, <clears throat> The Empire Strikes Back is the best of them, but I, I have no special affection for any of them. Uh, they were always too childish for me, even though I think Empire, Empire Strikes Back works in, in narrative terms. Uh, it works because, also it works because it has a, cliffhang a cliffhanger. Cliffhangers can be wonderful. And so why shouldn't Zack Snyder have his own cliffhanger? Why not? But uh, Star Wars means nothing to me, but it also obviously it apparently means a lot to a lot of people, and it's it's part of the culture. It's in the culture, and Zack Snyder has to has to acknowledge that, and in acknowledging it, he has to deal with it. He has to challenge Star Wars step by step, story point by story point, and can I say being the being the Spielberg of his era. Uh, he's able to not just match story points, George Lucas' story points, but to transcend them and to do them much, much better all the time, every time. And so why not? Why not? I, I, I saw, a, I saw a, a, a silly review that said that uh, Rebel Moon was, was full of, full of uh, ideas and stories we've seen many times before. And I thought, oh, this this idiot doesn't understand culture. <laughs> uh, if, if if there is any filmmaker who understands culture, who understands uh, the myths that have been handed down to us even before George Lucas, it's Zack Snyder. And so he is going to deal with story points that we've seen before. He's going to retell them because that's what artists always do in every culture in every era. We retell they retell the same points because they're trying to make these points relevant to how we think and live not just sell popcorn. And so uh, that's what Zack Snyder is doing. Didn't bother me at all. I, I loved seeing him improve Star Wars every step of the way. What do you attribute to, I mean, this this movie, it, it, it was kind of, it was anticipated. The trailer came out, everyone was talking about it, but it feels like it's sort of landed on Netflix with a bit of a mild thud at least. There doesn't seem to be a lot of anticipation for the next installment. I don't know how much of that is down to 
people watching it and not responding to it or people not watching it because of some of this critical assessment that they might be reading. Um, but, you know, what do you attribute to it not necessarily connecting or could it be one of those things that just needs time? Well, all works of art need time and, and great works of art uh, take, adva take advantage of that. Great works of art prove themselves over time. That's what great works of art do. I think what's happened here is that uh, we have a, we have a real artist, a real cinematic artist in an era where there is no more cinema. Uh, I don't I I don't want to get into Zack Snyder's uh, corporate troubles with Warner Brothers, uh, where where it seems like the corporation is on the wrong side all the time. They just make one bad choice after the other. But uh, the only way Zack Snyder could practice his art is by leaving Warner Brothers, going to Netflix, who would, who would give him uh, the leeway that he needed, and and make his and make a piece of cinema for an era that no longer understands cinema. Uh, ideally, Rebel Moon should never be streaming. It should always be seen on the big screen, just like John Wick Four. I don't think that film can be appreciated without being seen on, on a large and enormous screen. And, and so what's cinematic about Rebel Moon cannot be appreciated on, on your TV screen or on your, or on your iPad or on your watch. Uh, you have to see it big. You have to see it on a, on a large screen in a large scale format in order to appreciate what Zack Snyder is doing. Because like Spielberg in The Color Purple, what he's doing is always primarily visual. Uh, he's, he's doing, he's creating, he's recreating mythology in visual cinematic terms. And I think people have lost the ability to appreciate that. I said before that Zack Snyder, he has, he has to challenge Star Wars every step of the way. Uh, he also has to challenge Marvel. And Marvel, uh, the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, that word cinematic is in there for, I don't know what reason, because I haven't seen a single Marvel film that, that, looked like cinema to me. Uh, they either look like video games, they look like uh, uh, TV cartoon shows, episodes. Uh, the, uh, what, what are their names, the two, the two brothers who are mostly associated with the, uh, the Avengers? Um, oh, and I'm totally Russo blanking. Brothers. Russo brothers. Russo's, right, yes. Right. The, Russo, <laughs> yeah. the Russo brothers are, well, they're not as, in, as inept as uh, Bazawuli in, in The Color Purple, but they're, you know, they're 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 not special filmmakers. They're they're not cinema artists. They don't know how to they don't know how to create great images, and they don't seem to have much interest interest in telling stories that are emotionally or morally compelling. Those are the two things that Zack Snyder's got. Uh, he, he's a great visual filmmaker, uh, and he's interested in in the morality that comes through in the telling of myths, and so. He's fighting Star Wars, he's fighting Marvel, which means uh, he's, he's fighting the mob. And uh, I think that is why the film might have seemed to, Rebel Moon might have seemed to have landed with a thud because the mob doesn't know how to appreciate it. And, and I'm sure you, you will admit that there are people out there who are just again Zack Snyder because, because he challenges Star Wars and Marvel. Uh, he, won't, he won't let them settle, he won't let moviegoers settle with inferior cinema and they don't like it <laughs> and so uh, means nothing to me that it seemed that Rebel might have landed might seem to have landed with a thud uh, 
Rebel Moon exists. It's there, and it's there to be appreciated for those who will. Uh, and it's there despite the people for whom uh, for whom uh, its existence is their loss. <laughs> well put. I, I want to challenge you on one thing. Okay. As far as the Russo brothers and not uh, not making anything cinematic or sort of of compelling quality, I still maintain I think the best Marvel film is Captain America's Civil War. Now, if you take out the whole Avengers fighting each other on the runway in Germany thing, which is pure comic book movie spectacle. I think the emotional story in there between Tony Stark and Captain America and their ideals about what they think, essentially what America stands for in terms of registering people or not registering people, um, you know, based on their, their, their superheroes or the mutant abilities or whatever. Um, I think that, I think that really came across as something kind of hard hitting in this, big summer blockbuster movie. Now, I don't think that anything that came after that, I was not a fan of you know, the bigger Avengers movies like Endgame or Infinity War, whatever. Uh, and I certainly don't think anything that we've seen since those movies have come close to coming, has come close to hitting on those touch points, those emotional connections from a movie that came out, you know, nine years ago now, Civil War. But I do want to ask, kind of in closing, you really love Rebel Moon. Now, I assume you're aware that there is a Snyder cut of Rebel Moon coming out that I think is supposed to be, it's longer, possibly more hard R. Does that intrigue you, or is this a film that you think should live on its theatrical cut merits, or can it be improved by more? I, or just are you just holding judgment until you see it? Well, I have to reserve judgment until I see it, but I don't need any more. <laughs> Frankly, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll I'll wait for the sequel. I'll wait for the resolution to the cliffhanger. <clears throat> Excuse me, that's enough for me. I mean, how many different versions of Coppola's The Godfather do we have to accept? How many different versions of Apocalypse Now do we have to accept? How many different versions of Cotton Club do we have to accept? How many different versions of, uh, as I understand it, uh, very soon we get a new version of One from the Heart? Uh, I'm content with Rebel Moon as I saw it, <laughs> and I don't need any more. Perhaps there's more, but sometimes uh, filmmakers, and back in the days when there used to be uh, film producers with, with sensibility, uh, sometimes their, their first cut or their first released cut, their first public cut is, is, the, is the best cut. So I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied if there is no other Rebel Moon, I don't need any more. I, I think this 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 rumor and this this perhaps hunger for we, we need it we need more rebel moon is, is part of is part of the problem of there being no cinema anymore, no cinema culture anymore. Uh that that people have become invested in different kinds of hype as if the hype was belonged to them, not to Netflix, not to Warner Brothers, and they want to be a part of more hype rather than paying attention to what's in front of you. And getting as much out of the movie as as you can as you possibly can, uh, Rebel Moon can be explored. Uh, you don't need to wait for there to be, to be given more. There's a lot there to deal with already. Uh, <laughs> you know, the arachnid sequence is is just one of the most amazing things I have ever seen in any movie. And uh, Oprah Winfrey needs to see that and see what the arachnid <laughs> sequence has to do with with femininity and maternity and. Uh, <laughs> It's it's 
that that among other sequences in Rebel Moon uh, can be studied and talked about for days. Let's do that rather rather than speculate that oh there might be more there might be more. <laughs> I don't I don't think I think with few exceptions, except possibly uh, uh, my friend John Dimitri who writes about Rebel Moon. I think with very few exceptions, many people have gotten into the heart of Rebel Moon to understand all that it is saying and all that it is presenting to people. So let's let's deal with the Rebel Moon we got and maybe there'll be more to come. But if there isn't more to come, it's, it's, it's a great movie as it is. Well, I'm going to disagree with you again because I, I think Oprah needs to stay away from this movie. I don't want her to watch <laughs> Rebel Moon because she might get an idea of like, hey, we need to make a, a black feminist Rebel Moon and we don't need that. Um, <laughs> I, I can't even imagine what that would look like. Um, but okay, so let's leave it there. Um, Armand White, again, thank you for for hanging out and, and talking movies. Uh, and thank you for your patience through all of our myriad technical difficulties. Folks out there, you're seeing a fraction of what we had to go through to get this out to you. Well, I, um, I, I appreciate your invitation and your patience. <laughs> all right. Well, folks, I'm going to link all of the uh, the National Review pieces that we've discussed. Um, Armand's better than uh, piece, his reviews of Color Purple and also Rebel Moon down below. Check them out for sure. Um, and anything else you want to promote, Armand, before we go? Uh, at the moment, just just those pieces and make Spielberg great again, the book. That's oh, all. wait. You mean that this book? Yeah, Available that. at fine retailers everywhere. Um, oh, also... Just uh, also another plug, because Warner Brothers needs the money. Um, they put out the color purple on 4K, which this wow. is this is the, where I got the digital copy to watch that I was doing my homework back and forth. And uh, so, yeah, take if you're going to take your family to go see the color purple, invest that money instead in buying the home video version of color purple or renting or whatever and watching a true, I think, American classic masterpiece by Steven Spielberg, this new version it's going to be a footnote in history. Ten years from now, when people talk about the color purple, much like with West Side Story, which we discussed uh, like last year. Right. Um, it's a. These are footnotes. These remakes are footnotes, and that's that's it. That's all they are. That's but uh, Armand, thank you again, and um, yeah, we'll talk soon about something. But I just also want to wish you a happy New Year, sir. Happy New Year to you as well, Ian. And uh, thank you. All right. <laughs> Catch you later, man. Thank you. Okay. Bye. <laughs>